Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. We are responsible for how we treat this earth. And so when we have more humans, baby humans, we should feel so responsible to leave good humans on this earth. Uh, Hello and welcome to week two of my interview with Anastasia. As Anastasia says, she's uh, not remaining silent anymore. She's remained silent for too long. And she has found the strength uh, to talk to us today about the ramifications of having, um, well, uh, being a victim of domestic violence, but also how she was named in an intervention order as the perpetrator and the huge ramifications that that had on her business. Because she was an alleged perpetrator, she had to close down her business. She had no income and she couldn't find anywhere to live because there were allegations of violence in the intervention order which had been taken out by her former husband against her. Anastasia talks about the love she has of teaching children and she talks about the fact that she has taught thousands of children all over the world for over 30 years and the heartbreak of having to give children over to a parent that's obviously part of an intervention order where the child has access with the mother or the father every fortnight or whatever the court decides but of having to give that child over because of a court order and just the child clinging to her and screaming 
that I don't want to go with dad or I don't want to go with mum and just the difficulties that that uh, presented to her. She also talks about the court not being conducive and how many times have we spoken about this, but the court not being conducive for children to tell the court their preference of where they might um, prefer to stay with mum or dad and why they don't want to stay with mum or dad. Uh, Anastasia also talks about the day that her husband put the intervention order on her and in that intervention order how he alleged that she was horrendously violent, that he was afraid of her. Um, But she also talks about the love she has for the police. And I've got to say it's... (laughs) It's a little unusual, isn't it? (laughs) I love to hear her say that. Um, And remember that he had the order served on her an hour before her business was reopening after COVID. Um, She talks about how he'd set himself up with the house and she only had three weeks to find alternative accommodation. And that was her and her children. This is her former husband's children. He he actually, he kept the house and her and the kids had to find somewhere else. Oh, boy, she doesn't speak well of um, lawyers in general. She talks about some really serious incidents that the police eventually took him to court over and he was convicted of three really serious incidents against her. And just the fact that because of that, that's the only reason that she was believed. Not not by the police because I think they believed her from the start, but by everybody else involved, they then had to believe it because he had been convicted by a court. You know, and she talks about having nowhere to go when she had to leave her house. She couldn't rent because she had um, those conditions on an intervention order that she was violent. Um, She talks about couch surfing and just the terrifying thought of having nowhere to go. No business, no house, no income and two boys. It's just, (laughs) yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? And even one night she stayed in a park and she referred to finding a nice little gazebo. Oh, dear. Anyway, uh, this is uh, week two. Uh, Week three next week is um, the final of Anastasia and my final podcast for the year. But don't worry, uh, you will hear my dulcet tones. Uh, We're going to uh, replay some of my podcasts Patreon um, recordings just to give you a little bit of a taste of what you can get uh, as a Patreon. But uh, anyway, look, uh, we'll talk next week. Not long to go now till Christmas. And, uh, oh, yes, fairly important news. We're back in our house. (laughs) It's not finished, but it's our house. All right. Have a great week. See ya. Actually, I want to go back there. 
You were talking about the court allowing access um, to fathers. Um, you've mentioned before that you've dealt with um, uh, children um, that have been affected by court processes all around the world. Can you tell us yeah, about that? So I've always had a huge philanthropic heart and have always given my services free to orphanages in different countries and we originally set up, I originally set up a school in a housing commission building 30 years ago and I became quite aware of the um, justice legal system for very, very poor kids um, who had very, very violent fathers. So I would, I've taught thousands of kids um, and, you know, I could easily do a test case on the numbers I've done. I, I worked with a lot of children um, in this free program and would deal with the mothers and talk with the mothers and I would hear their stories um, about how they didn't want their kids to go to the father, but they would go through court and the court would say that the father had to have the children for particular amounts of time. I would then deal with the kids in class because often my classes were changeover times where the dad would come and collect the child. It was the safest way to be done. And I would be handing over screaming, crying children to the fathers. Sometimes the fathers smelt of alcohol, cigarettes, they were high as kites and I had to hand the children over to them. They didn't want to go. And as I got to know these children, I would hear horrendous stories about what the fathers were doing. Um, and back then no one would ask me. I, there wasn't letters you could write. I didn't understand the court system at all. But it just really worried me that, A, we had mothers or fathers, sometimes the mothers were the perpetrators, where you would have to hand the children over to the other half for their time with the child when they were clearly not safe carers. And it was scary for me. I've seen it in Hong Kong. I've seen it in China. I've seen it in Australia. I've seen it in New Zealand. I've seen it in Malaysia. There's one instance where the father kidnapped the children after collection in Malaysia and brought them um Actually, I reverse it. It was in Australia. He took them and he took them back to Malaysia and uh, by, I believe by the Muslim law, they didn't have to come back to Australia. So I've seen some horrendous things. They're not on a scale of one or two, on a scale of hundreds. In fact, only recently, last week, I was working with a little angel and um, this little angel just didn't want to leave the building, didn't want to leave to go with her father. She was in tears for pretty much the full half an hour. And I had to, because of the court orders, hand this child over to that father, knowing very well that, you know, it was not an ideal situation. And it happens time and time and time again. And so my instincts were right when my kids were little um, my instincts were spot on. A, my instincts were that those kids could not be in the care of my partner's mother ever. Um, they could not be in the care of any of the family members because of the alcohol and history of family violence that I didn't know of at the time. I just instinctually knew things were really, really wrong. And if someone had have asked me, 
all I could say was I've just got this really strong mother bear instinct. It's not happening. And I knew that my kids were not going to get properly educated. They're high, very, 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 they've got a big learning disability. I knew they're really smart, but if they went, mm. if I left my partner, they wouldn't get the education they needed. They wouldn't get any of their needs met and they would be fabulous alcoholics and drug addicts under the care of their father. So it was an instinctual thing which then became knowledge over the years. And I look back and I am so glad for my children's sake that I did it. But I've lost a lot. There's no doubt. So I look back and I get very sad about everything I've lost, to be quite honest. Mm. Not actually, emotionally. Of course you would. And the fact that you have seen so many children having to be handed back to to, um, mother or father where they didn't want to go. It's been awful. I have had to hand these kids back. And no wonder what no wonder that you were so um, hesitant and so concerned about your kids going to their father. But I, I've got to say I'm I'm conflicted a little bit here, Anastasia, uh, and I hope you understand and please don't be offended. But I've spoken to a number of men who have been uh, on my podcast who have been offenders, absolutely. And the courts gave uh, access, 100% access to the mother uh, and justifiably because these men were, um, uh, well, they were classed as criminals. They were criminals. and But what they said was that the reason that they hit rock bottom was because they couldn't see their kids, because the courts hadn't allowed it. Now, I saw, I'm definitely sitting on the fence in one way here because I can understand the fathers uh, in one sense, but in another sense, I think, well, if you hadn't committed the crimes, if you weren't pissed all the time, or if you weren't drug affected, you would have had the kids. You know, there wouldn't have been that argument. So I suppose my. Um, I, I do have a little bit of conflict or. Yeah, I'm conflicted in some ways with the fact that um, the courts, I think, often don't even consider um, the father wanting access. Um, no, that, am I, that, I, I understand in that situation, but my view is a little bit more forward-thinking, Narelle. I don't I'm sure we, yeah. we are really, really responsible for the people we leave on this earth. We are responsible. Yeah responsible for how we treat this earth and a human is a caretaker of this earth and so when we have more humans baby humans and we leave them on this earth we should feel so responsible to leave good humans on this earth and so therefore unfortunately those fathers help to create not such good humans because they look up to their their parents and female or male, you know, if mum's behaving badly and dad's behaving badly, really badly, then the kids are more likely to copy that parent. And they definitely they walk yes. away with giant chips on their shoulders and they create 
the pattern continuing. So the drugs, the alcohol, the theft, the being lazy, the not being part of the community, the not feeling good about yourself and all of that sort of thing, that that sort of trickles into them and it's repeated. And so mm-hmm. therefore there you know the court is is being responsible and saying well you're not going to influence this child to be a good human being in the future and that's mm. just my opinion i think i don't have them in front of me i would love to see them because i just feel i'm on the money here but the statistics of kids going being influenced by perpetrators or people who think they're fabulous people but you know it was only 8 8 eight wines or eight beers and I only hit them once and I, I, you know, she just went to bed in a dirty nappy four nights in a row. It's only four nights in a row. The humans as they grow up cannot be full, complete humans and so off we go repeating the pattern. So it's not good for earth. It's not being a responsible Mm -hmm. adult, a responsible human. And so these people who basically don't get to see their children Smarten up, clean up, get help, go back and prove to us you're great people. You know, I believe my partner did none of that. He never went and got help. I mentioned it so many, so many times. Mm. Mm. I said, let's get counselling, let's get help. I was stunned with the criminal findings that they sort of said he was beyond it. He is not beyond it. A 62-year-old man can go and Mm. get help get psychological help, go and get better and be a good human being Mm -hmm. to a family, be a good – and, you know, it's really interesting. He has these fabulous, bing-bong, wonderful, loving human friends, supposedly, and um, he clearly hasn't told them anything because they're all into – being good people and being kind people and helping the earth and all of this sort of thing. And even they haven't mentioned it to him because he hasn't changed his behaviour. So we're all responsible, I think. We're, we're As a community, mm. we're all responsible to go, hey, mate, that's not okay. Mm. So mm. just I think it's awful that they don't get to see their children, but, hey, wake up, go and get mm. the help the courts are offering Go and get your 10 free psychological sessions, pop into, you know, Salvation Army. How much better would life be if everyone got their act together and did something about it? Mm. No, you're right. You're right. And that's what I mean. It's conflicting for me because, yeah, because I, I mean, it's really about the kids, isn't it? And and I don't think the kids. And I don't think they're heard nearly enough Not at all. or their views are heard in court and I think they should be. What if the kids, I mean, I don't know, but what if your boys didn't want to go to their dads but a, a court um, forces, I mean, this would happen all the time, that a court is forced. Yeah, that a, a, a court has forced the kids, you know, it's a it's a condition of um, the separation. Uh, once a fortnight, they would dread going. It would do so much damage. And I just oh, I think this, oh, I think they're starting to uh, recognise that children 
should have a voice, you know, obviously age appropriate, not a a two-year-old isn't going to be able to verbalise what they want or what they are frightened of or what they like, but certainly, you know, a kid of, um, pardon me, five or six, you know, somebody like that, they'd be able to tell someone if they want to go to dad's or mum's, wouldn't they? Look, I think so, but there's a lot of, there's this thing called manipulation, you know, kids... um, I'm watching my boys, they want to sit on the fence and be loved by both parents and they can't see the crimes and the violence for what it was. They don't want to, they can't see it. And so they just want everything to be normal but it's just not. And so that's from being three through to being 30, even 40, 50-year-olds. And I think, you know, that deep need to be loved by your parents. But parents do pretty bad things sometimes. And um, Mm -hmm. it's protecting the kids. I I was trying to work out how many kids I've worked with over the 40 years, and it would easily be 40,000, 50,000, maybe more. And so, you know, never done the statistics on this. But mm. I know that um, if you ask a kid in a kind environment when they're happy, they'll tell you anything about their parents, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Parents. Yeah. And they're the first to say if yeah. daddy's angry or mum's angry and even the really bad stuff. But I think when you go into the courts, this new restorative justice, which has knobs on it in my book, it creates an environment where there's no way the kids could feel comfortable to say the right things and you've also got this really scary thing where lawyers make a lot of money from this so you know a simple divorce agreement makes a certain amount of money you add kids in and if there's money involved their fees can be anything from 60,000 to 300 400,000 and ongoing so, Who can afford that? You know how how can okay. it, well not many people can afford those sort of figures. So if you start at the sixty thousand, I know some women um, who are paying it off, who have a night job, and you know that one thousand dollars a week is going straight to the lawyers because of the kids. They're doing anything to keep their kids. They've got that second and third job. And these lawyer legal companies are doing their best, but their moves are archaic. And I wonder, you know, whether whether things sometimes are done for making money reasons um, or not. And then those poor people who have utterly no money, Mm. have no hope. Mm. Actually, that that um, brings me, it's a good segue into what I wanted to ask you next because um, I suppose if we move forward to um, COVID, uh, you've been married for, you know, 25, something like that, years. We were married 30 years, 30, 30, 31 years. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just going to say, so COVID comes and obviously the relationship has, um, well, it's breaking down, let's say. It hasn't finished, but you're, you're sort of getting through things. Well, I'm not and then- because I was just running as normal, doing everything as normal. There was no change. 
However, he was changing. So from all the documents I've got, his decision to leave was before COVID as he was planning all his finances. So he hid hid money. He hid his inheritance. He got it three years before he left, two, three years before he left, and he hid it. He had no desire to share it with the family, of which I had a written letter from his um, mother that it was to be shared with the family. So at that point when he hid that, he had made a decision clearly to leave and he had to manipulate his finances and his company to make sure I got nothing. And he had a friend help him do that. Mm. But I was oblivious to it. I, if there was no difference. I was still doing everything as normal. I had no, no understanding that he was doing what he was doing. Mm. And so we come to the end of COVID and you're about to reopen your business because obviously for COVID it's had to be um, shut down like most other, well, yeah, the majority of other businesses. But the the day that you um, are going to reopen, which should have been a huge celebration. Oh, we were all excited uh, beyond of course you would be. yes yeah tell us about that day and mm, yeah. because that's re- that's really the day that pardon me your world turned to sh- like upside down uh, it was the cruelest thing any human yes, could do I agree. another human male female just yep. you know yep. having been in my business since i was 4 years of age having run a business in it since i was 15 um, and I'm very much a Pollyanna, always looking for the positive. Um, I got a phone call from the police. My little treasure of a partner, um, God love him or not, um, had put an IVO on me that I was horrendously violent. He was afraid of me, that I had um, – it had allegations on it that were absolute lies – It wasn't put on me by the police. It was put on him, which should have told all. And this beautiful, beautiful policeman, oh, my God, I love the police. They have been, I just love them. They are wonderful people. He called me and he said, I'm so sorry. Um, This, I've read it. It all looks like lies, but you've got to come to the police station. I've got to serve this to you. Your husband's put an IVO on you. um, And I... 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm just really grateful for three things. One, it was done before the the hour before the the business was to open. So I knew I couldn't step foot on on the doors of my business. I knew instinctually I couldn't because I work with kids Um, and because of the nature of how I work with kids and because of the venue that I work on, I knew instinctually. So I called um, my minister And I called my staff and I said, guys, this has just happened. And they all went, ooh, we'll cope, we'll run, but don't turn up. Um, And I went down to the police station with my eldest son who the, the pair of us cried all the way to the station. And this beautiful man sat me down and he said, I can see and from reading this is not true. I didn't even know what an IVO was, Narelle. At that on that day, but I knew instinctually that I couldn't work, and so then my poor son just blurted everything, all the violence he'd seen in the in the marriage, the strangulate one of one of the strangulations he observed as an eight year old boy, um, the anger that he's experienced from his father, the abuse he's experienced from his father in the form of yelling. And then I just blurted out a whole lot of things and this beautiful, beautiful detective said, you have been in a really serious family violence situation for 30-something years. I'm so sorry, you need to put an IVO on your husband. He is going to be a very dangerous man. This is not going to go well. And I said, I would never put one on anyone. That is the cruelest thing anyone could do to anyone. I was horrified that another human could do this. Let alone your husband alone at the time. husband who had Narelle barricaded himself into the house with a chain around the fence pretending I was really violent. He had set himself up so that 
he had somewhere to live, but I had only three weeks left in our house to live. I've, the selfishness was extraordinary. And this beautiful detergent, he was taking notes as we were talking, now looking back and recording things. And he never let it go. He took notes and he said, so I have to serve this to you. You have to go to court. You need to get this off. He said, you should be able to work, but I can understand you can't. But you're going to can, can 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 you just explain that to the listeners, or I might. But you cannot work because you're you work with children and 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 a um, in a really intimate setting. So one of the problems is is that we work the conditions. That's what I was trying. Yeah. The can one of the conditions on your IVO your inter- intervention order is that because of um, alleged violence. You can't work with no. children, and that is that is your livelihood. Well, it's your, well he it's you made up all all these lies that I had. You know, there was quite a few that he was financially. <laughs> oh my God, I made most of the money. Um, that he was financially being um, abused. That I had threatened him with a knife back somewhere before. That was the day he crashed my hand, which now is not working. Um, the um, that he was afraid for the boys. The boys were um, in a toxic environment, so it, it 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 was just a joke, and clearly a joke because he mentioned. Yeah, did he mention anything about the strangulation? No, funny that. That's how that's how scared he was of you. Well, look. At, I don't know whether he was scared of me. I think he just knew what he was doing was so awful and so wrong. And he had, this is the thing that upsets me, he had grown men assisting and helping him. Grown adult men in the business community who clearly hadn't been told the truth about what type of person he was like, who he drank and ran with, were assisting and helping him ruin his family. The worst thing about this was his lawyer was also too. So she literally knew we had nowhere to live, knew that this IVO with lies was being put on me, listening to whatever my former husband was feeding her with. And she was allowing all this treachery to happen. There no morals quite clearly. A distraught person on the other end, knowing I was dyslexic, knowing I didn't know how to find a lawyer. I had no idea how to find a lawyer. I was just so broken and in a heap and in action. And this beautiful policeman picked me up and said, well, you take this, you go to court. He wrote down notes and he said, I'm not forgetting this. I will come back to you. And then this beautiful policeman contacted me as we were going through the IVO courts and that was horrendous. He never let me go and he just said, well, I think let's just get you back into the police station and with a very, very, very incredible, amazing close friend who read all my documents and helped me because at one point my eyesight went blurry from stress and trauma. It was horrendous. And my brain disappeared away. I couldn't even think Um, because at that moment the volcano erupted and all the family violence started to be remembered. So I blocked it out for 32 years and then 
it flooded back. Every single thing he did flooded in. And, you know, you think if I had um, witnesses of three strangulations or two strangulations, I think it was, but there were many more, witnesses of three serious incidents that he was criminally convicted for, I can say that, um, you imagine how many other incidences there were in around 32 years. You think about that. Hundreds. And so this beautiful policeman never let it go and he just bobbed me along and, you know, asked for who saw what, contacted these people, did it all quietly, and then he said this is bigger than what he can handle. Um, And I said, please don't put an IV on, on my former husband. That's really cruel and mean. I would never do it to anyone. But he did it. I didn't give permission for it. He was so worried for my safety, and he should have been. And he did the right thing. So it got handed. He They contacted the witnesses that he took notes on, and all the witnesses that they contacted came in and gave statements. And then all of a sudden I had this incredible flood of support from the Family Violence Unit There is no one like Louise Rogers out there, Narelle. She (laughs) is the most extraordinary police detective I've ever met and they never let me go. They were wonderful. They worked with Salvation Army who were fantastic and bobbed along and they dealt with all the witnesses because they knew I just really felt this was wrong. But then I realised, no, I'd been in such a serious situation for such a long time. And then it turned into my sons. I realised that, no, I needed to follow through with this criminal conviction because no one was still believing me, Narelle. Even though I had witnesses, even though I knew it happened, no one was believing me because my former partner had told everyone I was a liar and that I was a violent dreadful person so he did what he threatened to do he did threat to me that he would tell everyone and he did so only when we went to court and he got criminally convicted um did people believe me but I did it mainly for my sons to say you can't get away with this Um, and your father did do it but even to this day I don't think my sons believe me even though we have a criminally convicted father, an IVO removed, which I believe is impossible to do almost. Um, it's fascinating. Perpetrators are very good at manipulating everyone around them to oh, think yes. that they are um, the victim. Mm. Just on that, if we could go back um, so by having the uh, IVO um, enacted by the courts, oh god, yeah, that 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 meant that you were actually evicted from your house with your two boys, correct? Well, what happened was we were selling the house, and um, I was living with my youngest. My eldest's relationship had just broken down. Very concerned about him, and. Um, we had just sold the house and we had three weeks to go before settlement and my former partner had put a caveat on it, courtesy of his precious lawyer, 
um, who clearly didn't know me at that point and I was very reasonable at that point. Um, and so I had to pack up the house, box everything, move everything, clean up everything, and I had nowhere to go. Um, now, there is no way I could have rented an apartment because I had an IVO on me and they check criminal records when you rent apartments and rent buildings. So even if someone was going to lend me money, um, basically I wouldn't have got a rental apartment. So I really had nowhere to go right up until a couple of days before um, settlement Um a family member offered an apartment for a few weeks until they came back into that apartment and therefore the moving and couch surfing started. So we had nowhere to go, literally, um, and it was just terrifying. Meanwhile, my husband's, I believe it, um, a lovely property on the beach, barricaded himself in, having holidays and parties with his um, male friends, drunkard parties, telling everyone I'm an evil person and a perpetrator and I'm the violent one. Um, so that was interesting. And um, we had nowhere to go. So it's terrifying. Just It was so terrifying, Narelle. I had no business. I had to, on the day of the IVO was put on me, I had to hand my business over to someone else because um, the body that we rent from, being a religious body, said, look, you really shouldn't be owning the business either. Um, it's not good for them, obviously, with all the inquests into child protection and policies and so forth like that. Mm -hmm. um, they've got to be protected too. So I had to hand the business over to someone else um, and I could only come into the business if I had a mandatory reporter with me. Mm. Not just that, I ended up having to have a mandatory reporter who had a Victorian teacher's mandatory reporting certificate. It's called a VI. VIT. Yep. And so the poor poor business had to reshuffle and they lost a lot of business and they opened and kick started and I had this poor woman watching me from every door if I was there. It was just dreadful. I lost the contract to take um, a big group of kids to an overseas event, which generally is a source of income for me that went. None of my overseas contacts, I had to be honest with them because I have to disclose it. It's it's business. It's part yes, of business. Yep. Um, none of them would have anything to do with me until it got off. So I lost contacts that were, some of them are 20 years old. Um, the only contact that would reignite with me was one from France um, out of the goodness of her heart. So we then went into this apartment. I ha had a box of food and a box of clothes and that's it. My youngest son was in a daze, poor fella. Um, and then we moved from there. We split up. Um, my youngest son went and lived with a family for a bit while I lived in my son's apartment for a bit, one-bedroomed room. There was one night I had to um, stay in the park because it didn't match crossover, but I didn't tell my children that because they would have been horrified or anyone. What do you mean it didn't match crossover? 
No. Um, so from leaving an apartment to moving into the next one, there was one oh, sorry. day yeah, okay. yep. and I just went, I just, it was too hard. So I just, it was a nice mm-hmm. gazebo and the dogs. Um, many times I've thought, oh, I'm going to have to rehome my dogs because it was just so difficult being in other people's places with two little dogs, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Then um, I had to find an Airbnb, which was really expensive. So someone uh, someone lent me that money so that I could have that. And then we moved back to an apartment. Like it was just this constant juggle. And in the end, you know, people were moving me and I just remember this lovely, lovely friend, she's just amazing, saying, is this all you've got? And I said, well, we do have things in storage. But even that, he was clever. You know, when we were selling our home, so much of our goods were sold and moved on so that we could sell our home and rebuy and redo. So what 50% of the house things were left were sold. So he knew what he was doing because all the home things were being moving. He didn't didn't say kindly, oh, let's keep them, we'll keep them, knowing he was leaving me, it was going. And then he insisted on taking all the expensive pieces. I had to do it. His precious lawyer sent a letter that they had to be, they were his and had to be um, delivered to him. Um, So basically, you know, dwindled down. It was just, it was like a, a planned attack by him and his fancy rich friends um, to the demise of his children's mother. So it was really quite horrendous. So I didn't have a business, but I could turn up. I couldn't even get babysitting work or nannying work. The nannying agencies wouldn't take me on because of that issue. And it was because of the nature of the IVO, because it was a violence. And I had to prove, yeah. And it just, it was just, terrifying to be quite honest of course and and I suppose you know in one way you think god like how could how could you be uh, I suppose dropped by all these companies and organizations you'd worked with most of your career but I suppose in a way they can't ignore the law sort of that that if you've been accused of being violent they don't have a choice do they they have to no mm. and it's really you know in the end when I had oh this this law firm is to die for Narelle gorgeous Mm -hmm. gorgeous Lena Lee JT lawyers Joey they are amazing well-priced, they're stunning. So they got the IVO off in the end and in the end. How long did that take? So basically um, when the police put the IVO on my former partner, I did not know about it nor did I consent to it. And he manipulatively has been telling the boys, oh, no, you know, mum mum put it on me, I didn't. And I couldn't have taken it off if I tried. When the police get their teeth into these things, they do the right thing. And so we went to contest the two orders in court 
And that's when his fancy big high fluting barrister lied and manipulated the judge into making it a three-year IBO. That judge did not even listen to me at all. In fact, she belittled me when I told her I had a learning disability. She belittled me when I told her I couldn't work. She belittled me when I tried to explain it slammed down whatever she did and said three years. I was not listened to. I had no representation at all. But the police did quietly say, if you contest it, then they have access to all of our information and we would like to bring my former partner in for questioning and to charge him. So upon that advice, I didn't contest it. And I naively believed that I knew I was right. I had documents to prove I was right. And I naively believed the judge would listen to me. And the judge didn't. And the manipulative lawyer who is being paid a fortune by the manipulative bordering on dishonest lawyers my ex-partner had basically played the game and stuck the nail in. And that was so bad for my mental health, it was horrendous. Mm -hmm. And the decline of my health since that day has been horrendous. Uh, Just, I can't even explain. And so then they um, arrested him and charged him with the family violence charges. Um, And then we went through criminal court this year And then only after um, his sentencing did the police say, well, now I think you should get your IVO off. They were so concerned about it affecting the criminal case and they were always protecting me, but that was a disaster. So then getting the IVO off was quite a process in itself because I had to go and revoke it. And I was really frightened because... I didn't understand the forms. I, I, my brain was bamboozled. My dyslexia is just so enormous. So I bravely went in and this time because uh, my former partner had been criminally convicted and they could pull it up on the um, screen, I had extraordinary help um, and the police guided me through the beginning and then the courts guided me through the end. So I just was really, really unbelievably lucky um, to form for my, you have to go in to speak with a judge and I filled in the form. Well, I didn't. The courts filled the forms in for me because I couldn't um, to start revoking it. And I went into the court bravely by myself And in hindsight, that wasn't a good thing to do, but I didn't have the money for the lawyer. And I happened to get, oh, my God, this extraordinary judge, Carolyn Burnside. There really is no one like her out there. I I cannot believe my good fortune. What a woman. Oh, how about a few more of those in the law courts? (laughs) Yeah. And um, she just listened to me. And she, there was no one else in the court, so I didn't feel embarrassed or concerned. And she listened to my story. And 
she allowed the revoking process to start, but she was kind and she was compassionate and caring Mm. and really a clever woman. Makes all the difference, doesn't it? She didn't talk to me like I was an idiot. And, you know, I'd only had experiences of judges, even in my sentencing, this judge didn't give me the time of day. And... Mm. That, that's another story, you know, not to be able to read your victim statement is illegal, yet my former partner's fancy barrister spent a lot of energy making sure I didn't get to read it. Uh, I found my voice there. So then, you know, we started the process courtesy of this extraordinary judge, but it changed the minute you go back into court and there are barristers in the court, Um, it changes because they're not honest. And so I went in to the next process to, it was, it was, it was, I'm speechless to watch a barrister tell a judge that, oh, it's just a messy divorce um, if you know, I drop my IVO, they'll drop theirs. Really? Mm-hmm. And that it was, it's not really family violence. It's just a messy divorce. Isn't Anastasia so eloquent? Doesn't she speak so beautifully? Um, but as she has said many times, she's not remaining silent any longer. Next week, we talk about the ramifications of her being accused in an intervention order of um, of violence, which um, basically stops her career in its tracks and the consequences of that. She also talks a lot about the court system and how important it is to be believed and how she wasn't believed. But the police believed her. Yeah, it's, um, it's an amazing story. So uh, we'll catch you next week. Have a great week and uh, thank you. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's... <laughs> the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.